0: McKinney Flavel's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavel, and today is December 1st, 2023. And welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. I'm joined by one of my favorites today, and that's Eric Thornton, commodity specialist for McKinney-Favel. Hello, Eric. Hello, Mike. December, wow, the last month of 2023. What are you talking about? It's not December. (laughs) Wait a minute. It is. I just said it was. It (laughs) flew by. (laughs) Yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy how time flies. Yeah, it just flies. And I'll tell you what, hopefully everybody had a good Thanksgiving holiday. And uh, yes, we are in December, December 1st. We're here, Eric. And uh, I love this time of year. It's it's great. You know, it's um, the holidays, the, the leaves are falling. Uh, I went to a tree lighting last night. That's fun. That it's exciting. Yeah. I saw Santa. I hear he's around. Yeah. He's around. It's It was just a great time. So, um, and I had like a gingerbread
1: latte thing. So, I don't know. It was good. <laughs> Yeah, done done with the pumpkin spice lattes and into the uh, pepper. That's and right, coffees and That's all that right. good stuff. So the seasons are changing, right? <laughs> Eric and uh,
0: entering December, everybody out there is is looking at their travel plans for next year, and I'll tell you what they need to put on there the single best seminar out there packed with the most information in the commodity industry. And that's our spring seminar on April 17th in Oak Brook, Illinois, lock it in, lock it in
1: one week, normal and earlier. So people will be aware of that, but same, same place, same location. And, uh, La Meridian there in there and Oak Brook, Illinois.
0: Yeah, and we got to some prizes this year. It's, it's going to be a really, really good spring seminar. The theme we're going to share with you in a couple weeks, but uh, we never disappoint, do we, Eric? So uh, look out for that on our website. You'll be able to register for our spring seminar. So it's going to be fun. Perfect. Eric, today I thought we would uh, dive into two things. Uh, one wheat, which you are our leader on wheat, so giving an update on that, and also some things happening in sugar this week with uh, some reassignments from the USDA. So I thought those two topics we'd talk about.
1: Definitely, definitely. Well, hey, why don't I kick it into wheat? Like you said, it's been a couple months since we've talked about it on the podcast. Here, we obviously we mentioned it's December this time of year you know we're we're usually fairly quiet fundamentally speaking but I'll give folks a couple things to to monitor and think about uh, as it relates to uh, working our way into q1 next year so sounds good uh, I guess first we'll start with the uh, planning progress currently for winter wheat we actually won't be receiving any more weekly crop progress updates from the usda oh. now that we're in december they only run from april uh first of the calendar year to the end of of november so like i said seasons have changed times have changed that's also one thing that we will not be receiving is those weekly crop progress updates but like i said the winter wheat crop here in the u.s is is all but planted and and most of that crop is now emerged when looking at the u.s uh, in totality so Typically, with wheat, just a little brief agronomy 101, uh, when we talk about emergence, that's just the seedling actually developing, sprouting its early leaves and uh, growth cycles. And then the crop actually goes dormant uh, through the winter time, pretty much from now until late February, March, depending on what part of the country you're talking about. And that's uh, what we refer to as is, is the dormancy window, pretty much, like I said, from Thanksgiving till uh, about late February and the condition of the crop is is much better Mm. than the last few years where we've talked repeatedly about poor conditions drought la nina uh, living with that for three years really did a number on our crops and obviously the welcomed reversal to la nina this summer has allowed for conditions this fall for planting to be much much better and we're seeing that so far reflected in the, the early conditions of, of that crop. So we're sitting at 50% good to excellent. That's higher than last year when we were at 34% good to excellent and the best rating, uh, at least at this juncture in the calendar year, since 2019. So we'll take it. Great. Uh, fantastic. Doesn't mean there isn't problem areas or I'll say just areas to watch. One region in particular I'd say keep focus on is Kansas there still is a pretty sizable chunk of, of moderate to severe drought in the central and western portions of Kansas. And unfortunately, that is the some of the most populous area for winter wheat here in the U.S. in terms of acreage, specifically for hard red wheat. Uh, so really, we're looking at uh, conditions there that are not perfect. And it's not really a death sentence. I'm just calling it out as a area to watch and it hasn't been uh, as favorable as pretty much everywhere else so their poor to very poor rating is actually pretty up there at 32 percent you know looking at the totality of the crop again we're only looking at about 15 percent poor to very poor so you can see that kansas is kind of an outlier and you know one of those states we really don't want to see be an outlier because they are the the number one wheat producing state here in the u.s uh, I'd like to see more moisture chances for them good thing is again with La Nina around this winter expected to peak relatively soon but last with us right through the spring if not the early part of next summer that should that should leave us with an abundance of moisture opportunities and chances uh, looks like in the near term here for at least the next two weeks maybe for the entire month of December a lot of that rains are, will be targeted more in the southeast kind of. Georgia, Alabama, Carolinas, as well as the Pacific Northwest where Mike grew up there. Yeah, uh, they're gonna get uh, quite a bit up there and not only Vancouver, uh, Washington, cool. but also uh, thanks for the shout out up into <laughs> up into uh, <laughs> uh, Oregon and some of those areas have been pretty dry uh, this fall. so again, looking at the drought monitor every month, I think we should see improvements uh, this winter. And that's a much better scenario, like I said, from years past. So yeah. today we have uh, just 35% or so of the cr- of the continental U.S. is dealing with some level of drought. Uh, a year ago, we were at 58%. Wow. So again, that improvement with this weather pattern and climate shift is notable. And you can see that via the drought. So that's going to help our winter wheat crop. That's going to um, give us a much better opportunity. To, to see normal yields by the time we harvest this crop post-dormancy come June, July. You know, acreage is still a little up in the air, hard to pinpoint where that final number may be, but I think I can at least outline some hypotheses here. Definitely foresee a pullback in soft red winter wheat acres. We were nearly 8 million planted a year ago. We actually had a uh, nine year high in terms of production for that individual class, and um, obviously where pricing is now, uh, and that that being twenty percent higher, at least the acres that we planted last fall, I could see that pulling back. You know, fairly sizable, maybe low seven hundred or seven million acres. Maybe even st- it's a tough stretch to get to seven million acres. Looking at the hard red winter, we we planted twenty six million acres a year ago. Again, I think if you asked me two, three months ago, I'd say we probably could hit that number and maybe stay close to 26, maybe just a hair higher. But uh, considering where prices have been in decline for the last four months, you know we've seen a retracement in that market by nearly 35, 38% in just four months' time. So the economics not quite as favorable as they were back, say, in uh, late July and August and certainly not anywhere near like they were last year when we were talking about 9 to 950 KC wheat today we're talking about prices kind of in the mid sixes so again the planning is all done but throughout this uh last two months of of the planning window being open prices have been in decline farmers may withhold some of those acres to potentially plant uh you know soybeans or something that's showing you know, more tightness or more profitability come next spring. So hard to see. Uh, at this point out I would say let's just go with flat. And even with flat acreage, with the with the conditions better and, and yields that should be better, we should see a much better harvested area next spring and fall. So again, even if we lose say one, two, even two and a half million acres next year, it's not going to uh inhibit us from from boosting supply and giving us an opportunity to uh, boost stocks further so you know that's really the main I'd say fundamental piece of information that's going on right now as it relates to the forward look again everything I just spoke of um, that's going to count towards the next year's mm-hmm. crop being 202425 so we're still in current crop 2324 right up till end of end of May but Everything being planted now will be harvested June, July. That counts towards new crop, twenty four, twenty five. So other than that, a couple other quick things I'll talk about. You know, demand has been pretty abysmal for a few years running now for U.S. wheat. Not surprising, just considered where our prices have been comparative to the rest of the world, particularly out of the Black Sea and being uncompetitive. That, that remains the same today, uh, even with this price decline and a strong us dollar we're we're not quite edging out uh russia from an fob standpoint in the global export arena they're still uh, the low cost option out there especially when you factor in logistics and transportation where you know a lot of this this wheat is destined being middle east north africa russia obviously is a lot closer to that region versus us here in the u.s so we really have to uh, be very close to them FOB from an FOB standpoint. If not, I would edge them uh, lower to to make sense for picking up sales. But I will say the last week we did see a six-week high in U.S. export sales, 23 million bushels on the books. However, uh, again, like I said, we're still lagging about 6% or so behind last year's total, which was 759 million bushels, a 50-year low. So, we're pretty much right on track for USDA's estimate, maybe a hair high currently at 700 million bushels. Um, And outside of that, maybe we see a little bit of true up for feed demand. But all in all, again, the 23 24 balance sheet with stocks sitting there at 684 million bushels, hard to see a whole lot of movement up or down there. You know, maybe we can inch up to 700 million if the exports lag further for the next. Two quarters, but uh, all in all, I think again, most of the market is is kind of gearing towards uh, next year's crop already. And you know, with that with that price decline, and factoring in again, much better growing conditions, the changing weather pattern, high probability for boosting stocks next year. That's that's changed kind of the mentality of the the funds and the money. And you know, Sean's obviously covered a lot of this and yeah. his weekly write ups and and a lot of conversations is. Across all three major wheat classes, we've seen uh, that net short position grow to uh, the largest on record. Over it's over now, one hundred and thirty-six thousand contracts. That has helped with this, so to speak, waterfall effect and correction lower the last four months. So that's kind of the main things that have occurred here on wheat recently. Like okay. I said, moving ahead, it's going to be a lot of how does demand finish up? You know, how's the weather looking in this winter? You know, we're, we're going to get periods of cold and probably periods of time where there's concern of the winter wheat crops dying or things like that. You know That is normal, but just know that we're off to our best start in four years. And you know I think we'll be relatively quiet uh, due for some sort of period of at least sideways trading. But overall, again, I think prices still can trend lower working our way, especially into late Q1, Q2 next year. So that's kind of the The latest here, Mike, for U.S. Wheat. Okay, great. Why don't we
0: shift over to sugar, because this week uh, we saw some declines in the number 11 and number 16 market, and the USDA made some announcements about some reassignments of imports, which, Eric, you and I both know that uh, imports have been the, uh, what do you want to say, the thorn in the side of any downside in the market for the 16s for a bit. Um, There's been a lot of news over the last several months. Obviously, we know about Mexico and and what's happening there with their crop and and outlook on this next crop. Uh, we've heard uh, stories out of India, stories out of Thailand with issues. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what do you what do, What are your thoughts there on uh, the number sixteen market and what happened this week?
1: Yeah, so I think it's, uh, it's pretty clear. The USDA acknowledged the impending shortage and availability of raw sugar imports into the u.s um there's there was uh understanding that philippines at least their 160,000 ton allocation that there was going to be no ability to meet that 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 was a large chunk so these are types of adjustments that we wouldn't have seen until the april Mm. tranche so for them to come out now you know five months early and say kind of tells you that they they kind of Agree that you know we need to we need to do something ahead of time to position the market to you know stay whole and make sure we have enough sugar to go around. So the adjustment was was two hundred twenty thousand metric tons. Just shy of two hundred fifty thousand short tons. Predominantly, we're talking about a handful of countries: uh, Brazil, Australia, uh, Guatemala, in particular. They they seem to get the largest increases to their allocations. So obviously, uh, in response, we see some some pressure here the last two days. Uh, the 16s are down, looks like as of today, or at least the current values, maybe penny to uh, one and a half or so cents, depending on the futures contract you're talking about, uh, since earlier this week. And then on the world market as well, down about a quarter to uh or a, a penny to one and a quarter pennies. So, yeah, I think the downside is welcome for for some folks uh, who have been kind of maybe looking or, or hoping for some sort of pullback. Uh, it still seems as though, however, you know, significant downside is going to be challenged. Yeah, with with kind of how you let off the the topic, Mike, of of really those other pieces of bullish news that have come into this yeah. market the last four months. You know, really, there's not a whole lot that can change that until we see. You know, how well Brazil is faring, and April, May, like I said, normally we would get this USDA adjustment in April. Um, You know, maybe there's another one between now and then, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. hard, hard to see. You know, significant bearish uh, opportunities. You know, wouldn't say we couldn't get another one cent or one and a half cents lower potentially for each of those markets, but to talk about maybe sub 40 16s i'm not so sure yeah no
0: that's going to be tough and i think you know with the the news this week about brazilian production and shifting more over to sugar versus ethanol i think that helped the market uh realize some bearishness but it's a good question i mean how much more downside is there and are there enough factors to bring it lower so that's that's it's a tough one for sure Okay. Anything else on sugar, or shall we wrap this one up and let people go Christmas shopping this weekend?
1: I think uh, <laughs> let people get Christmas shopping. It's, yes, we got to get going here. No we got to get Friday, going. Cyber Monday. You That's know, right. We're in December. Time, time's, yeah, time's ticking.
0: My my kid was asking me about what this whole Black Friday thing was, so that was kind of fun to ex- yeah. <laughs> to listen to. <laughs> listen to my wife explain to him what it was in the past and what it is today what so. it is now yeah yes exactly <laughs> exactly well we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up hope everybody uh, has a great weekend as i always like to say live with an attitude of gratitude enjoy every minute moment with your friends and family and until our next podcast take care everybody so long bye now That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit mckinney-favelle.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.